Hello, my name is Lily Head and I'm the Managing Director of Lily Head Dental Practice Sales. And today with my colleague, Abby Greenhoff, my Sales Director, we're going to give a short webinar on property matters. And this is really just a quick walkthrough from um, a dental business broker's view of some of the issues and the challenges that we need to bring to the awareness of people thinking of selling their business that involve premises as well. Obviously, this subject will be covered much more fulsomely by um, a solicitor, um, another affinity partner with Simply Health Professionals. But today we thought it would be useful just to give you a, a snapshot of some of the circumstances that we see around sales that we have. Um, so, Abby, let's talk about the importance of a freehold in a business transaction, the premises. Mm -hmm. Well, every dental business needs a premises. Okay, and uh, the value of that business and its saleability um, to the new buyer is absolutely intrinsically linked to the property and the security of that property. So if you have a freehold, um, you have the option of either selling that freehold on in the transaction. So you sell the whole lot, the business and the property which the banks tend to like because it gives them that security for first charge. But if you are the freeholder and you've spoken to your accountant, you may you know, want to think about, do I want some regular income from that property in my retirement? So you may want to grant a lease, which is all great because you're in the driving seat there. You're in control. You own the property. You call the shots. So that's all fine. But if you are the property owner, it's a good idea to get a valuation on the freehold. I think what often we see is sometimes a principal dentist might say, well, that house, similar footprint up the road was, you know, marketed for 600,000. But it's important to remember that commercial property has a different valuation than residential. So you need to be prepared for the difference so you can, you know, plan your your, your finances really and what you want to do leasehold or freehold so you can get a commercial valuation and they will give you a good idea based on recent comparables square footage of dental d1 premises what your likely value is on the market for your property everything changes a little bit if you have a third party landlord which means an element of the control about the property and its transfer is out of your hands um, so it's really important because a practice may never sell at all if you haven't got your property in order or it will sell for less value than one with a good security of tenure. So if you have, you've got a lease, ideally slight geographical differences across the UK in London, etc. But you're looking for a minimum term of about 15 years. Um, and that's because any buyer looking to get debt to pay for buy for the practice can take the lending over that period of time. So, you know, it means they can spread their payments and the banks know that they're not going to get turfed out after three years and they're going to have to have all their expense of finding, prop, you know, new premises and kitting it out. So it's very, very important. And it's also important to get a solicitor to look at your lease to make sure you can assign it because there's different terms in leases that need to be looked at by an expert. Can you transfer it? Is it assignable? Which means that you have the lease, but you assign it to the new person. So, you know, it, property is absolutely, you know, something to look at. 
One of the aspects, Abby, of dealing with property um, is a requirement by law to have an EPC certificate in place. EPC stands for Energy Performance Certificate. And basically, it's a report that's undertaken by an outsourced professional at a relatively low cost. And they make sure that the fabric of the building um, is within acceptable requirements um, so that the building, for example, doesn't have windows that are drafty, uninsulated lofts and, and so on. Um, Let's talk a little bit more about the importance of this and what happens if your re report fails you. Well, first of all, if you're transferring a lease, you're granting a lease, you're selling the freehold, you have to have an energy performance certificate. And that needs to be anything from F and above up to A, which is basically the indication of how energy efficient your building is. Um, and sometimes it's good to get that done first because a broker or anyone can't actually take it to market legally without one in place. They're pretty simple to do. I think that the price tends to be something around, depending on the size and scale of your building, but on average about 200 to 300 pounds to do. And they will look at your heating. Have you got storage heaters, radiators? What are your windows, insulation, lighting? Is it standard bulbs? Is it LED? Um, and there may be some cases where you fall below the threshold, um, but there's sometimes simple things, that, measures that you can take to bring up your rating. So it might be changing to LED lighting. In the worst case scenarios, sometimes I've heard of people having storage heaters and they've had to replace their heating. And obviously that takes time costs. So it's important to look at this early. That's good. So if you did have a practice and it failed, it came in at G mm. or H, for example, mm. it's not the end of the world. The the person committing the report for you can basically give you some tips to remedy that and then they can resubmit the report mm. and there's a very strong likelihood that with a few small changes usually you can then get a pass rating that enables you to successfully and legally sell your business. Mm -hmm. Absolutely that's right so get it done early. Okay what see. about listed properties what are we seeing with listed property transactions that we're brokering? Well listed properties are actually exempt from energy performance certificates because there's not very always measures that you can take with like a timber frame building and wattle and daub, you know, to, to max it out, you know, the energy efficiency. So they're actually exempt. So, but just be sure that it is listed because some people I've spoken to actually say they think it's listed, but actually it's just in a conservation area. So that's a different thing altogether. So make sure you know that it's listed and what grade it is. And also, if you have got a dental practice running inside that listed building, you need to make sure you've got all the necessary planning permissions and listed consent for the surgeries. There may have been, you may have put surgeries in in the past and not realising that you need listed consent. But all of these things will come up in due diligence. So speak to your, again, your solicitor and make sure that you make them aware it's a listed building. Um, any Anything you've put in, you know, even aircon units on the outside of the building are supposed to have, you know, some sort of planning application. So, and you can do these things retrospectively. So it's a good idea to do them before your sale rather than say three or four months down the line when you're in the transaction. But that's good to know that they can be done retrospectively. So that shouldn't stop a sale going through as long as you give assurance that it's going to be done. Um, one of the other issues, of course, is leases. Now, let's talk about, so you own the premises and for whatever reason you don't wish to sell. Now, some freeholds, of course, are held in SIPs, mm -hmm. um, some kind of trust, so they don't want to sell the freehold. So they create a lease for the incoming buyer. Um, we've touched upon in a previous um, webinar about how to have a decent, robust lease in place for an incoming buyer. Um, is there any other sort of key pieces of advice that we can pass across about um, fully repair leases? Mm -hmm. 
So if you're already a tenant of a fully repairing lease, your obligation when you transfer it um, is to put, you know, make sure that the property is in the same condition as when you had the condition report of when you started the lease commenced. So it's a good idea to look back at the documentation when that condition report was done or instruct your own surveyor so you can highlight anything that potentially could come up that needs, you know, attention like roof, windows, those kind of things. Because, and the reason is that the buyer coming in to take on that repairing lease is again going to have a schedule of condition. And if that flags up, you know, lots of expenditure, new roof, um, windows that are rotten, their expectation is that it's going to be put right, you know, by the existing tenant under their obligations under that repairing lease. Or if it falls outside of their obligations in that repairing lease, the landlord, because the buyer does not want to take on a building that's going to cost them £100,000 because it's within their responsibilities as a tenant to fix within the next few years because their business could you know, take a big downturn if there's, you know, they've got to raise that kind of capital. Let's now talk about lease terms. We're talking about um, leasehold situations. What kind of lease terms are very current at the moment? And what are the bank's stance on these? Because they like to often, don't they, not always, take a charge on the lease terms. Mm-hmm. First of all, you know, a bank's ability to put a charge onto a lease depends on the lease terms, because there may be Um, clauses in the lease that say they can't take a charge so that needs to be looked at if you're transferring or assigning a lease but also if you are a joint tenant it may be that the bank can't take a charge over the lease for your part because it's a, a, a lease in partnership there's two tenants on it so that might restrict you as well so those are the kind of circumstances where that need to be looked into because a bank wants to take a charge. That's their security. But if there's terms in the lease or you're a joint owner or joint tenant, then that might restrict you from doing that. On that basis, then they've discovered that they basically can't um, take a charge. How would this be resolved in, in recent circumstances? We did have one like this, didn't we, recently? How was that resolved? The seller... This was flagged up and they did some work with their property lawyer in advance to to negotiate a fresh lease. They negotiated a fresh lease, which really um, made sure that in at the point of sale that that was assignable and that the lender could take a charge of it. Over so they negotiated it. a variation yeah, in that lease? Yeah, yeah. Um, so you could look at a fresh lease or a variation or, or something like that. And another po- important point, I think, is... As a buyer, if you put your buyer sort of hat on, you want to have terms that give you that comfort that you have got security and that if something goes wrong in your ownership or life, that you can either transfer that lease to a new person to buy, so you hand it over and buy, sell it to a new person, or that you've got a way, a get-out-of-jail card, really. So it's quite important. And I've had an example, actually, where there was a, it, was a, it was a struggle to sell a practice, not because the business wasn't good, but it was a there was a lease on a that was a 25 year lease with no tenant breaks, which meant that that person buying that practice had to be prepared for that rent liability for 25 years. And if they wanted to actually, you know, end and terminate their lease, that there was no ability for them to do that. So when you are negotiating, if you are in talks with your landlord and you want to get your terms of your lease in good shape, um, think about making sure there's tenant breaks ideally sort of every five years but it's negotiable see where you end up and also you know rent reviews that are reasonable 
and, and terms really which are going to be um, favourable to the buyer and to try and, and get the lease under the Landlord and Tenants Act and what that means is any buyer and their lender are going to feel good about that because there's an automatic right for the um, buyer to have an, a new lease at the end of the term unless for very specific circumstances um, that that isn't granted but it's the legal right of that tenant to have another period on top of that 15 years. I know that we um, do a, a lot of transactions in the Harley Street, Wimpole Street area of London. And of course, uh, um, many people will know that these properties are owned by um, Howard de Walden Estates, the Duke of Grosvenor Estates, and they don't have long leases. They all typically have a rollover lease. It can be two years, five years, very rarely 10 or 12 year leases, but that's the, just the way it is in that area. And it's widely accepted that it is what it is. And they've been there for 150 years. But of course, when you're coming to buy a practice and the, re the lease is only renewable, let's just say as an example, every four years, the banks say, well, we want 15 years. Well, it's just not gonna happen. Um, it's all about having comfort and confidence in that practice. But if you work with the right healthcare lenders and the right solicitors who are used to those kind of profile of leases where you won't be given a long lease, and, and that is just the way they are and the way they operate, usually the deals do go through, but you need to understand that that is the way of their world and it can't be changed. And of course, not, it's not for everybody. They're not able to get the funding on that, so they have to get some personal assets to go towards the sale. We've had some recently out there, haven't we? And they, you know, if it is four years and the lending is yeah. over four years, Absolutely. so it's just a different financial proposition. Yeah. They have to find the money from somewhere mm. else to support the whole purchase. Um, but that is just the nature of the beast in certain areas. Mm -hmm. um, what is, people say to me, what's best when I'm selling? I've got the premises. What do people want? Do they want a freehold sale? Do they want a leasehold sale? What is the general feeling in the marketplace? The general feeling is... Actually, the corporate buyers quite often I want to have leasehold um, or they, but most individual buyers that are reliant upon debt, they nine out of 10 times they're looking to purchase a freehold. Quite often they ring up and say, you know, the senior practice is aligned. The first question they ask is, is it freehold? And that is a key decision on whether they want to go forward or not. So I would say majority of the time buyers are looking for freeholds unless it's such a huge price ticket that it's not, you know, affordable for them in repayments. So nine out of 10 times freehold. But sometimes, you know, if you're already a tenant, your only choice is, you know, to either leasehold anyway. So, you know, but the banks do like freeholds because it gives them that security of the big bricks and mortar. Yeah, so well, they take that first charge. Get, yeah, and they get better terms on the goodwill um, lend because of that security that they're able to take over the, over the building. I think one other thing to, it's worth mentioning is if people have spare space in their property, and, and especially so with historic buildings, uh, with listed buildings, you have to make sure that you have the necessary permissions as well mm -hmm. to sell on and sublet property. So all these things that your solicitor will help you and make you fully com um, complicit with are just worth bearing in mind. So um, I hope that this has been useful today. It's just a really a quick walk through some of the things to look out for. I think the, the overriding message here is get professional legal advice on exactly the structure of your premises. You may have owned it for 40 years, but now if you're thinking about exiting from the property, you need to be absolutely sure that everything is in place and as it should be, and don't leave it till the last moment. So speak to a solicitor who will be able to assign you to their property colleagues. They'll be able to drill into the fine detail about leases, landlords and tenants acts requirements and obligations and this is all good work to do in advance um, get a valuation on your premises 
Um, it's not much help to us if you have no idea what your business is worth. So get a rough steer, get a commercial valuation, not a residential. And again, if you undertake a proper report, the report will also factor in the current market rent. And that'll be based on, on data uh, for the whole area. So you will be able to then factor in a likely rent to charge in the event you decide not to release the freehold and just let it to the new buyers coming in, even if it's just a short-term leasing situation for, say, two or three years, and give them first option to buy then or at a later stage. Thank you very much for listening. And if you have any questions at all, please don't hesitate to contact us. Um, we're very available on our interactive website, lilyhead.co.uk. Uh, we have a live web chat on there. And we also obviously are available to take confidential calls at any time. Thank you very much for listening from Abby and myself. Goodbye. <laughs>